0: And, you know, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 60, as as Agnes said, just felt really led to call this meeting that we have the gathering because in Isaiah chapter 60, as we'll see, it's hard to get away from this. All my preaching recently has been themed around Isaiah 60. And there's a reason for that uh, because I believe we're in this generation of Isaiah 60 that whatever is happening... um, in the world, if you want to see what's happening in the world, turn to Revelation 17 and 18. Mystery Babylon, the great harlot that sits upon the world economy, the world system, the the, the governmental realms, and of course the commercial realms, the financial realms, the banking system. It's all there, Revelation 17 and 18. Uh, But of course the fall of that system is in 18. So if you want to see what's happening, that's, that's where you go. You don't need to go to Sky News. You don't need to go into uh, you know, uh, BBC News at 6 or whatever. But if you want to see what God is doing in response, and you know I, I call it the awakened economy, but, and I sometimes refer to it as the alternative economy, but I always feel I shortchange the Lord when I call it that, call it the alternative economy, because God's economy is the true economy. It's the economy that all the nations should be uh, living by. Okay? So, Isaiah chapter 60, I believe, is a, a, a passage that parallels Revelation 18 in that we, we're going to see that system fall. It's already happening. The four horsemen are, are in the earth today. Hello. Amen. There's, there's uh, pandemics. And we've just recently got another one, haven't we? Monkeypox. A whole hundred people in Britain have got it. You know, it's just nonsense. But anyway, and then we have war, okay? And 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 you know, I preached just a few weeks ago and said famine is coming. It's here, shortage, scarcity, and of course that always pushes prices up. So all that, those three horsemen are here, and of course the fourth is death, and death's been death's with us. But. What is God doing? Here's what he's doing. So let's just turn to Isaiah 16. we We're going to just read a few verses. Arise, shine for your lights come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Which means the nations are going to see you. They're going to see us. Okay, we're we're going to go from hiddenness to manifestation. See, God's hiding us right now. There's a hiddenness to what God is doing right now. He's doing it in wee meetings like this. Okay, I'm not saying he's not doing it in large meetings, but there are groups of remnant saints across the earth. Now, I'm not saying he's doing it in every church, because he's not. I don't believe he is. That's why God always works with a remnant, doesn't he? So God's remnant is in this place today. And it's in other places. Uh, You know, we're on a Zoom meeting on Wednesday with with a guy called William Abraham. That's a remnant group that God is using and will use. But it's in hiddenness right now. It's not a public thing. You know, there's not 5,000 people on it. And there's a reason for that. Okay? When when 32,000 people turned up, to fight for Israel, God said, That's, you, just, you need to whittle this down. And they whittled it down to 12,000. I believe. Yeah, 12,000. So Gideon's thinking, well, if you still do it with, with 12,000. That's still a sizable amount. But God said, no, there's another condition. There's a remnant separation. And so what happened was, he says, so you need to do this thing. you know, It's all about lapping and or you stick your face in the water. God's, and then he ended up with 300. Ended up with 300 out of 32,000. Less than 1%, folks. So, that's what God's doing in the earth today. A remnant. Okay? So, he says here, His glory will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to you. Like, verse 4, Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. That's, that's the verse that God gave me. The gathering. Okay? they gather they come to you your sons shall come from afar your daughter shall be nursed at your side and that's talking about harvest that's saying there's a harvest coming we're going to look at that oh. okay harvest should be on our minds do you, do you remember when you were a young christian and you were taught all the time souls, souls pray believe evangelize witness all of that well that's all gone hasn't it there's very few people are looking for harvest now because it's all about let's go to a seminar where we can learn to be, uh, we can pray better. Or let's go to a worship convention and learn worship. We, we want to learn a whole bunch of stuff that we do in church, but that passion, that burning for souls has gone for harvest. Ah, well, you know why? Uh, it's because they don't want to hear our message. I've tried witnessing to my neighbours. They don't want to hear our message. Well, they, they, you know something? said the same thing to Jesus. Okay? We're going to look at that. But it says here, sons and daughters are coming. The reason we have this meeting is because sons and daughters are coming. And every time you open your church doors, you should be believing that sons and daughters are coming. Mm-hmm. That's our challenge. If, if, if there's anything you take from the gathering, it's believe for harvest. Mm-hmm. Believe, And it's not talking about your pastor, your leaders, your denomination are going to reap the harvest. It's you and I, folks. We'll reap the harvest, every one of us. Even if your part is just to hand out hymn books. Even if your part is just to pray. The harvest belongs to the Zion people of God, to the remnant saints. It's interesting, okay, because we, we thought, and I did too, I was part of that thinking well, if we all come together, I'm part of these pastor groups and all that. We all come together and we work together and, we, you know, we, and, and we, we become ecumenical or whatever it is. That's just a church term. But if we all come together, we can reap a great harvest. All the churches together. Amen. God said, that's not how I'm going to bring in the harvest. Because the harvest has to come from a precious seed. Not a common seed. A precious seed. That's why remnant is. He says, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a remnant, a seed, it has to be a precious seed. A precious seed. Remnant saints are the precious seed. And you, in the past, it took remnant saints to die martyrs. Who's up for that? Who's volunteering for that? Amen. Think about it. Now, you probably won't have to give your life, but if you don't give your life, you can you can still lay down your life. Amen? Because it has to be a precious seed. And a precious seed is, farmers keep back the best seed for next year's harvest. <clears throat> they don't just say, oh, put the worst of the seed in. They, they keep the, good farmers keep back the best seed for the harvest. Amen? So, look what he says, and we're going to go somewhere with us? Then you shall see and become radiant, your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea, that's the many waters, we looked at that before, in other words, the world economy, the world system, peoples, nations, multitudes, and tongues. That's, that's, that's what Mystery Babylon sits on, that's what it's talking about. You. It says, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. I'm up for that. Who wants the wealth of the nations, amen? And can I just say this to you as well? In the Hebrew, the word wealth is the word kyle, which is forces, hosts, multitudes, armies, people, as well as gold and silver, as well as wealth, as well as lands, possessions, precious things. It's all of it. because You know why? Because to God, people are the most precious of all wealth. Amen. And should be to us. Ah, well, they don't really want to hear a message in 2022 Scotland. Well, you need to get God's heart for those hard-hearted folks out there so that that but it's an old-fashioned term a passion for souls and we need that so so that we you know we're not content sitting in here while they're sitting watching what's on a Saturday morning now everybody loves Raymond that was what was on when we left amen or whatever else is on in a Saturday morning oh well that's okay we're going to church no folks we should weep because they're not here. Yeah. Yeah. It should break our heart that they are going to hell and we're, we're sitting here. Mm-hmm. Heaven bound. Mm-hmm. Believing for glory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good thing, though, because when they see the glory, they'll come. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I want to sh- sh- show to you this morning is this. This is what the Lord's put in my heart. The Lord's, here's the question that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is asking us what do you see what do you see sitting in those chairs right now what do you see what are we seeing what are we seeing folks are we seeing what's around us are we seeing Texas massacres shooting are we seeing pandemics wars rumors of wars scarcity petrol prices going up are we seeing supermarket shelves Going to be Are we seeing what the devil is programming us to see and what what is all around us in our visible sight? Is that what we're seeing? Because this passage here says if you want to walk in this, you have to see it. You have to see something different. It's what we see, and we're not talking about seeing with our physical eyes. We're talking about seeing with other eyes, the eyes of the in, inward man, the inner man, the, the hidden man of the heart, the Bible calls it. Are we seeing with the eyes of faith? Or, are we, or You have to be real, Pastor, you have to be real. You have to be real about the state of the world. Well, nobody's conned in, in, in the sense of you get people, oh, everything's going to be good. Everything's going, you know, uh, we're, not going to, we're not going to experience that. We're not going to experience bad stuff. We're not Pollyanna, folks. Okay? We're the Zion of God, which means that we deal with what is, but we come from a higher dimension to deal with it. Heaven invading earth. We don't deal with what's on the earth all around us with the earthly means. Oh, let's, let's have an earthly program. Let's have an earthly initiative. Folks, we invade the natural with the supernatural. Or we invade the realms of the natural dimension with, with stuff from the glory dimension, with invisible things. We invade and manifest the invisible things in the visible. Because so she says here, look what he says: the glory of the Lord risen upon you. For behold, okay? Or, or it says in the, the NLT, eh, sorry, in the NIV, see darkness covers the earth. The passion translation says it like this look carefully darkness blankets the earth and thick gloom or thick darkness covers the nations so he's saying look look and see what's happening with your physical eyes amen well we don't need to look far and we and we don't have to be you know spiritually discerning. Anybody can tell us what's going on right now. Let me tell you, any child in school can tell you. And, and a lot of them have grown up in the last, you know, few years with everything that's went on. But they know there's something not right. They know instinctively, ah, my mum and dad didn't grow, didn't have this. Didn't have to deal with this. So thick darkness, deep darkness is all over. But, and here's God's response, the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In other words, God saying this, what you're seeing, there's going to be a different seeing, a different manifestation. It's no longer going to be darkness, it's going to be glory. And when it gets the darkest, that, you know, we all say it's that old phrase, it, it gets darkest just before the dawn. Doesn't it? Well, the darker it is, we know that the glory is coming. Amen? You might have to get a whole lot darker. And, you know, I've shared this, and I don't want to get into it too much, but I've had visions of nuclear bombs uh, in in the Glasgow area. Okay, very, very vivid ones, and I'm not alone. I'm not alone in that. Other people have had the same. But I'm not saying, well, it's inevitability, You'll get get digging your air raid shelter at the back, or, you know, uh, find somewhere to hide. What I'm saying is, I believe the potential is there because it's deep darkness, But if we're believing for glory, then we won't see the very worst of those things. Maybe other parts of the world will. But we're a covenanted nation. And we're the remnant of God. And God deals with a nation according to his remnant in that nation. Always has. There was a remnant uh, in Israel, 7,000. Elijah thought he was the only preacher believing, you know, living right. And God said, I've got 7,000 just like you. So, but you say, well, 7,000, that's a lot. Well, it's not a lot in a population of 18 million. But God will deal with a nation if that 7,000 in that nation walk the way they should. Live the way they should. Function the way they should. So anyway, but look what I want to see. It says here, your glory will be seen. The nation shall come to your light and kings to the brightness. Lift up your eyes all around and see. Now, here he's not talking about natural eyes. Because he says, look, behold the darkness. Look at the darkness. Look at it. Then he says, lift up your eyes. What is he saying? He's saying you you need better eyesight. You need a different set of eyes. You need spiritual vision. You need to see with the eyes of faith, amen. Get your spiritual goggles on, get your Holy Ghost goggles on, amen. amen. That's what he's saying. Because in order to see what God is doing, you're going to have to see with the eyes of the man. Well, look at this. We'll see it. Okay? He says, Uh, they, they all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from father. your daughter shall be nursed at your side. When we started Arise Scotland, the very first night. David had this vision. I know I've went on about this a lot, but he saw with different eyes. We had a good crowd that night. Yeah. But we didn't have the crowd that David saw, where the street was absolutely mobbed, cars coming in, governmental officials. Yeah. Right now, he, he said to me, people for the government are going to come. Hallelujah. Okay, and, that, and that, was, that was on our heart, but, but he had this vision. So a lot of this is what the Lord said to me. He's, he's had the vision of this. And he did say, and I'll, I'll point this out, it's not just this meeting. He said other churches. He saw revival, awakening, outpouring, whatever you want to call it. He saw the glory rising. And he, so it says here, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, your daughter's harvest, folks. I'm going to ask you today, do you see harvest? Or do you just see? nah, you know things are getting bleak. I, you know, I remember the, the church was a lot fuller that I went to, You know, I remember there was a lot more people. The seats were full. If that's all you're seeing, you are still see the darkness. And God says, "No, lift up your eyes and see the gathering, see the harvest." He says, uh, "The harvest. Then you shall see it become radiant." See, these verses are all about seeing something. He says, your heart shall swell with joy. Now, your heart isn't swelling with joy looking at things as they are in the naturalism. He says, the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. Now, you may get excited about that. I get excited about that, because that's talking about everything. In other words, God is magnetizing his temple so that all the wealth comes in. And that's people silver gold white what he's saying is the tides going to turn folks the darkness is going to go away and the glory is going to come in waves and waves and stronger and stronger until we see what we've all longed for and heard prophesied all these years the great end time elijah revival hey, amen oh. so i'm going to show you a couple of places in scripture because what i wanted to speak about what are we seeing what are we seeing? Let, let's turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22, before we go to see what Jesus said about all this stuff. You see, it's all about what we're seeing. It's all about expectation. Christ in you, the hope of glory, doesn't mean Christ in you, or you really wish that some, some glory is gonna come someday. It means earnest, confident, unbreakable expectation and when you, when you have that you see something different because I want to tell you I'm, I, I don't know about you I'm fed up hearing oh wouldn't it be great wouldn't, we, would, wouldn't it be great if God moved wouldn't it be wonderful if we saw that revival we all long for and you know I'm going to tell you this folks I can't say this strong of quit begging for it Amen yeah. Quit begging for it. Because we're not beggars, we're not mendicants. And you know what? A lot of us, and I include myself, all these years, that's what we've done. Oh Lord, send, send if we beseech you. Now, I'm not saying you just stroll up, roll up, and be glib and go, Lord, revival now. Nah. <laughs> Try that, folks. See where that gets you. But I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about just believing, I'm talking about earnestly expecting. Amen. You, I earnestly expect when we finish, we're going to get our own sausage. Amen. Because it's promised. Yes, oh. yes, yes. Amen. And Agnes doesn't break our word. No. Amen. Think about it. It's that simple. He says, arise, shine, your lights come, the glory risen upon you. And we go, oh, I'd like to see that one day. Yeah. And he says, no. You've got it wrong. You have to see it now. Okay, and we'll look at what Jesus said. But look, look at this one in Genesis 22. We know the story of this. Uh, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah, and so on. We know the story. He goes up to Mount Moriah, takes the wood of the burnt offering, and so on. Oh. Isaac spoke to Abraham's father, verse 7, and said, my father... And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, uh, Isaac said, look, 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 look. Isaac saw what was there. He saw with his natural eyes. The fire in the woods here, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abram said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb. Hey. Hey. Amen. Abraham, hey. what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? I think it was Abraham saw my day and was glad. Hey. Abraham hey. saw something that Isaac didn't see. Hey. And I know what it was and we'll share that. i very briefly share it but, because it's hey. part of this, but it's not my message today. Is that this people say, Oh yes, God was seen if Abraham would obey him. No, God was shown Abraham the covenant. Because by the terms of covenant, Abraham knew is a covenant man, and that's why God chose him. If God asks or the covenant partner asks something of you, he has to be able to and willing to provide the same himself in response. So if someone says to you as a covenant partner, I want your son, you had to have a son that you'd give up. That's the terms of blood covenant. So when God, so Abraham's reasoned to himself, he must have and realized by revelation, if God's asking me for my son, he must have a son. Hope. Amen. And Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. And the Bible says that the, the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. So Abraham knew what God was doing. He maybe didn't know all the details or even the wives. Every, he didn't know all the details. It wasn't a, <coughs> a contract written out. But he knew God was up to something. And he said, God will provide himself. And then he says this watch. Then he came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wooden order. He bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Because he realized, well, that's what God's told me to do. So I have to do it. I have to obey. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on the lad. We know all this. Watch this. Look at this, verse 13. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. He lifted his eyes. What did we read in Isaiah chapter 60? Mm -hmm. Lift up your eyes and look. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. You see, Abraham was looking for God to provide. Amen. Abraham was looking for God to provide. Well, if it means I have to do this, God can raise my son up. He's a miracle boy anyway. Amen? But he says, he, he lifted up and he looked and Because, why did he see a ram caught in a thicket? Because he was looking with his spirit man for the provision of God. And it manifested. You see, when we, when we look to God and read Isaiah 60, see all the blessings, all the glory, all... Oh, the the harvest, the money, the wealth, the power, all that. That's going to turn towards us. We have to to see it with eyes of faith if we want to see it in manifestation. (laughs) Remember when we're talking here about, all we're all going to have jets and 16-bedroom mansions? You might have that. But that's not what it's about. It's about the harvest. It's about kingdom wealth, funding the work of God, all these wonderful things William Abraham was talking about. The other night, all these glorious things. It's not just, oh, well, I, you know, a uh, televangelist can get bigger jets, faster jets. I don't mind if they do, if they're doing the work of God. That's not what's important. What's important is. Harvest. Oh. Oh. Does it aid the harvest that God wants to bring in? God's not willing that any man should perish. Amen. Are we? Oh. So Abram says. He saw a ram that, and watch this. Abraham called the name of the place Yahweh, Yairah, or Jehovah, Jairah, which means Yahweh will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, that's a very good way of translating the Hebrew. But But the other way of translating the Hebrew is this. In the Mount of Yahweh or the Mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Because the Hebrew word is the word to see. Yeah. The same as over in Isaiah six and many places in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for provide is the exact same as the word to see. Oh. I'll say it again. The Hebrew word for provide is the same word to see. Mm-hmm. And what it means is this. If God sees the need He's already provided that need. Provide is a compound of two words pro, which means beforehand, and vide, which is the word, I think it's Latin, for to see. So, in other words, provision is God seeing beforehand what you need and providing for it. So, what it's saying here is this in Isaiah chapter 60, is this. Do you see darkness? Do you see it's not just darkness, it's deep darkness, it's gross darkness, it's complete overwhelming thick blackness. And what he's saying is, well, you ought to know that in that situation God has already provided the glory to dispel it. If you see pandemic and disease, and plague, then you ought to know that's when Jehovah Rapha steps up to the plate and walk, you walk in far more healing power than you've ever known. Amen? Yes. When you see um, wars, and rumors of wars, well, that's when the Prince of Peace is going to step on the scene through you, in you, and you're going to see peace like you've never known. When you see famine, then you're going to see and scarcity, you're going to see provision like you've never experienced. So much so, he's going to turn the whole shooting match over. He's going to collapse the Babylonian system. He's going to destroy it, wipe it out. The, white, the wealth isn't wiped out, folks. It's transferred. It starts to come the other way. Instead of, I was reading this morning um, a statistic. I think it's 1% of the One percent. Of, of the population of Britain, quite a recent study, um, has the same wealth as 13 million other Britons. You know, a very short, small percentage of people in Britain own what, 80% of the wealth or something like that. I did not get the exact statistics, but it's ridiculous. These are quite common. We hear these all the time, don't you? The point is, you say, well, what's, what's, what's wrong with that? If, if you're a capitalist, you don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think there is, but if that 1% were all remnant saints, amen. and starting to say well you know what there's some poor folks in here, we're not having that. What happened in the early church? They all came together and it says they had all things in common, no man said the things he had was his own, that's not talking about communism and socialism. What's that saying is? What, what that is saying is, is that the folks that had plenty looked around and said, I'm not having, I'm not sitting in a church with somebody who's struggling to pay the bills. I've got more than enough. I'm going to sell some land. I'm going to and you know, I'm going to lay it at the apostles' feet. I'm not going to, not going to put it in the bank so I can get interest. I'm not going to reinvest it so I can make even no no, I'm going to give it investing in the kingdom. You know, the early apostles were the bankers of the church. And the Bible says not one of them lacked. Not one of them. That's why a lot of them wanted to join the church. Because they're looking at people and saying, my goodness something's happened. The glory's being seen. Exactly. And that's what God wants to do today, folks. Same thing. Now you might say, well, is there genuine poverty? Because I know folks that plead poverty and they've got a 65-inch LCD you know, TV. We know there's pseudo-poverty, don't we? you get enough money for booze, drugs, everything else. But, you, you know, but folks, there's genuine poverty. And if you don't have a heart for the poor, let me just say, you don't qualify. If it's all, oh, well, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right, Jack. A true believer always has a heart for the poor. And a true ruler or leader in governmental areas always has a heart for the poor. That's why things are so bad, because we've got a bunch of folks that could care less about the poor. And sadly, also in church. So I'm, it's not, it's not a, well, if you've got money and you've got land and you've got stuff, you need to sell it to give it to poor folks. That's, that's, it's not that folks, okay. It's you dealing with God in such a way that you partner with him in his enterprise and in God's kingdom there's no lack. Why? Because he says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as, as in heaven. There's no lack in the glory. That's why we need the glory. That's why the glory has to manifest because when the glory manifested in the early church, it says there was no lack among any of them. So he says here, in the Mount of Yahweh it will be seen or it will be provided then of course God began to go deeper into the covenant with Abraham but okay let's leave that there, go to John chapter 4 what are we seeing folks are we seeing things the way they are, our lack our deficit of glory our lack, our deficit of, of you know well I remember when days were much better than this, churches were fuller there were more churches, all of that I remember that i'm old enough i know it's very difficult to believe but i'm old enough to remember when church had a church being the body of christ was far more influential and people were a bit scared to cross come come against christians now they don't even they don't even acknowledge do they but it's all going to turn it's all going to, the time going to turn so john chapter 4 jesus In Samaria, and Galilee, look at this, it says, well, we know the story of the woman at the well of Samaria, the Samarian woman. And and Jesus came to her and said to her, give me a drink, please. Give me a drink. And it says his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Verse 7. You know, there's nothing wrong with legitimate natural needs, requirements, desires, yeah? We all need to eat, don't we? so they'd gone away because they are hungry we'll go get the food Jesus, we're going to, we'll go to Tesco if there's a Lidl we'll go there because <laughs> it's cheaper we're stewarding the resources Lord and I'll stay here and he said to him give me a drink and the woman says to him how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans but you know Jesus is not that culture Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who, is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, the well is deep. Where well, then do you get that living water? How are you going to get water out of the well? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his cattle, his livestock? Jesus said to her, we know the story, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And it says here, And and, uh, I'll give him a fountain of water, springing up to everlasting life. The woman said, sir, give me, I'll have some of that. Give me this water, I'll have, I'm up, sign me up. That I may not thirst nor come here to draw. But she's still thinking, I think, a little bit of natural, isn't she? Oh, what kind of water is that? But he's talking about living water. And he says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. Then Jesus says, you've well said, and we know that. I have no husband, you've had five. Uh, And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. So then, of course, we know the rest of it. I want to get to on a wee bit. Jesus reveals himself to to her, and she gets, she comes alive. Mm -hmm. Amen. Then she goes and evangelizes. And Jesus didn't say, hold on, you're a woman preacher, that can't happen. Did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me ask you this, okay? Look, I'm going to I'll put on my, pretend I've got my robes on just now. I'm going to ask the question, which one of us would have commissioned this woman to a to, to ministry? Yeah. Amen? She's... Probably shacking up with a guy. She's seducting husbands, right? She's she's the town lady of you know of, of yes. I'll leave it. I'll leave it to. You. But then Jesus is saying, "I'll give you a little more. Go and tell the folks." Hallelujah. See who Jesus will commission. is maybe not who the church will commission. Or the clergy, yeah. well, commission. But this woman had an encounter. But that's good. That's a good we preach. But what I want to show you is what happens after. So watch this, and because this is what I, was, I, I want to go. I just had to get that rebound. Upon this came his disciples. At this point, his disciples came, and they marvelled that he talked with a woman. He's talking with a woman. But nobody said, "What do you seek?" or "Why are you talking with her?" You know culturally, she's there alone, Jesus, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been speaking to her according to custom. Amen? And, you know, we can maybe even assume that the woman looked as if she was you know, she maybe wasn't dressed like, you know, uh, Church of Scotland Elder. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Nobody's, nobody's, Jesus, why are you talking to her? What's going on? The woman left her water, top, water pot, sorry, went away way into the city and said to the maid, Come see a man who told me all things. This is the Christ. Then they came. She gathered. Okay? They, she gathered a crowd. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now watch this. This, this, is, this is amazing. He said to them, I've got food to eat of which you do not know. Now they're focused on the natural. There's nothing wrong with that. They're focused on the natural, aren't they? They were hungry. They went to Asda uh, and got a meal deal. Well, Morrison's is better. So maybe they went to Morrison's. But anyway, they got a meal deal and they said, we've got you something, Lord. Here you go. Have something to eat. And he said, no, my food is to do the will of him, sorry, the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's my food. That's more satisfying than, Than a meal deal from Morrison's. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with a meal deal from Morrison's. Amen. But that's and it's a great value. But this is more satisfying. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Now there are two ways of looking at this. Both are valid. And one of them is to say that what they're saying is harvest is coming. Oh, there's going to be a day, Lord. Oh, there's going to be glory one day. Revival. I'm believing for revival. Jesus, I'm believing for revival. It's going to come one day. Jesus says, are you not saying that? One day. One day in the future. See, if you put it off to the future, we'll see it one day. We're going to see revival one day. We're going to see revival. We're going to see revival in the future. I, I hope I'm alive. I hope I'm there for it. I hope I make it. We all say that, don't we? Or we all think that. Or many people do. But you notice how Jesus is saying that's what you're saying. That's, you see, they're saying, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go buy some food because they're living natu- not necessarily carnally, but naturally. You know, I believe I'll see revival one day, but in the meantime, I've got a business to start. I've got a college course to go to. I've got a family to raise. I've got different things that I need to be doing because I'm focused on that. And you know, one day, I guess, amen, there's going to be a harvest. And I'll see it one day. And that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that there is a saying that says, well, it's not just a saying, it's a law that there are four months between planting and harvest yeah. so either way Jesus is upsetting the apple cat because mm-hmm. he's saying to them you're functioning in the natural mm-hmm. you're going by natural means you're thinking naturally I'm hungry and I'm going to go into town and buy myself something from that we take away and Jesus says that's great I'm hungry too but I've got food that sustains me that is not Just a rolling sausage that I could smell. Amen. And you say, oh, what's the meeting? Let's get to a rolling sausage, yeah. But I've got other things to feed you right now. God has other things that he wants to put in us because man shall not live by bread alone. So either way, Jesus is saying, well, you know, the natural way is plant, you know, cultivate, you know, all of that. Make sure the soil is okay. And then one day there'll be a harvest. Jesus says, is saying here, I'm upsetting all of that. Why? Because I'm bringing the glory. Because in the glory, you'll see different things. In the glory, you won't see barren ground, or you won't see well. There's I know there's seed in there, but it's going to take a while. That's going to take a while, Lord. I mean, you know, do you not see the circumstances? Do you not see the deep darkness, Lord? You see, when the seed is in the soil, it's in the deepest darkness. Isn't it? And all you see when you look at the soil is blackness. If it's good soil. And Jesus is saying if you keep looking with your natural eyes, that's what you're going to see. Oh, you have to oh, it's four months, Lord, it's four months. One day, we're hoping for a harvest. But look what Jesus says. He shifts the perception. He shifts the paradigm. He says you can live in the natural or I'll give you something you can see if you get into the glory. And it's an immediate harvest. Not at one day, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You know, and you get all these people oh well jesus is coming soon 2000 is it 2000 how many years oh we've got this we've got this and we've got that to go through and oh, well and some folk don't even believe there's going to be a harvest or oh, so just going to get worse then jesus is going to helicopter us out when things are at the bleakest point well look what jesus says he says you see uh, There are still four months. Do you not say there are still four months? Behold, I say to you. Behold. What does behold mean? Look. Have another look from a different perspective. Have a look from glory. Have a look from your inner man. Have a look from the kingdom of heaven that's within you. Not from what you see with your natural eyes, but from the eyes of the inner man. The hidden man of the heart where the kingdom is. Where the glory, is the glory in you? If it's not, get born again. I say to behold, look, see. I say to you, again, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. What eyes? The eyes of the natural? No, because you'll just see what you're seeing right now. Scotland. You know, did I share this last week or was it just, I, I maybe shared it now. Sunday service, I don't remember. No, it was Bible college. Another statistic, it was Craig Denham that I saw on his Facebook. There was a, a statistics thing done and they were trying to find out what region of the UK had the highest percentage of people who claimed to be atheists and who said they didn't believe in God. The highest percentage, all by region, different regions, okay? Guess what was number one? The highest, over 50%. Scotland. 50-something percent of people claimed to be atheists, had no belief in God, said there was no God. You know what that tells me, biblically? There are more fools in Scotland than anybody else in Britain. The fool has said in his heart there's no God." Amen? Fools, despise wisdom, instruction. he keeps telling me that. Uh, and it says that the beginning of the knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So that tells me there's not a lot of fear of the Lord going on in Scotland. Percentage-wise, statistics can tell you a lot, can't they? So, but what he, he said, oh, we can look at that. We would look at that in the natural and then actually go, I told you it was hard in Scotland. I told you nobody in Scotland wanted to hear our message, Pastor. No point, no point in evangelising. I was, I was going to go with tracks. I was going to share, but I shared with my neighbour and they told me to go elsewhere. But not as polite as I. But Jesus says. So you so you say, well, see yet four months. It's going to take a long time. God's going to have to do a deep work. We're going to have to do a lot of praying and a lot of repenting. It's going to oh, we we're going to have to do a lot of that. In other words, well, let, let me ask you a question. We we've, farmers got a role to play, but farmers plant the seed. Who grows the seed? It Ain't the farmer. It's God, isn't it? It's the process that God put into place of sowing and reaping, seed time harvest. And that miracle where the seed grows into a plant Mm -hmm. and many other seeds. Now, you can do all you can. You can cultivate, you can water, you can put in, what is it, miracle grow, all the different things. You, you, You can't affect that seed. Other than help the seed, you can't make that seed become a plant, a tree, or whatever. You can't produce fruit on your own if you're a farmer. You can aid the process, but you can't make it happen. But you know, in, in church, very often you get people trying to make it happen. Church growth strategies and all this. But folks, it's a miracle. Growth is a miracle. Increase is a miracle. Multiplication is a miracle. And all we have to do is receive it and cooperate with it. But if we won't receive it and we won't cooperate with it, how are we going to see it? And the, and the way we see it, or the way that we see it manifest is to see it with spiritual eyes, with the eyes of the the heart. Okay, we're coming to the end of this. Look what he says. He says, uh, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. They're already white for harvest. But Jesus, don't you see? Did you not read that statistic that Bill read out? In Scotland, they don't care. Their their hearts are hardened, but Jesus sees. See, this is the whole point of this message. Are we seeing what Jesus sees or are we seeing what the devil wants us to see? Are we looking with the eyes of the natural or are we looking with the eyes of the spiritual? Are we looking at things and are we saying, you know, I see glory, I see multiplication, I see increase, I see harvest. Well, I don't see that because you're not looking. From the same perspective. You're not seeing through the glory. You're not seeing into the glory. Because let me tell you, all the things I've just mentioned, they're in the glory. Your provision is in the glory. Everything you'll ever need or require is in the glory. And if you don't see into the glory, and if you don't see from the glory, and if you don't see, if you like, through the glory, then you'll never see it in Manifestation. I'll wait till I see it, and then I'll believe it. The old story, Thomas. Isn't it? We can boil it down to that. If you see the harvest with the eyes of faith, if you see the harvest in the Lord, I see it. It's not just a wish, folks. It's not just, I sure do hope so. Meaning, I sure do wish that would happen. It's, I earnestly expect. It could break forth right now amen. and you say well, well what if i do that and nothing happens i'll just stay in that place till it happens yeah. i'll just stay earnestly expecting you know when you have a baby amen if you've ever had a baby you know it's going to come yeah. don't you but you don't know exactly when but you earnestly expect. You earnestly expect. You've got a little bit of manifestation, but you don't know until it comes. Uh, you know, you, you don't have the full, ma- the full manifestation. But you know, when a woman is heavily with child, you see something's happening. When, when, when you see it's the, 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 the leaves starting to shoot through, something's happening. Amen. And we need to be in that you earnestly expect it. That we that we punch, we punch through is going to grow, 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 grow till harvest. When you see the women walking about like that, something's happening. We don't know exactly when, but we know it's coming. Now we're not we're not talking about all oh, it's put off to the future. What we're saying is earnest expectation is not wishing. You know, it's not, well, I sure do wish. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe the Lord is saying to us today, folks, we need to start seeing with into the glory and earnestly expecting what we see is coming into man. Now, I've heard people say it. Maybe you have too. Maybe you've said something's happening. Something's happening. There's a shift. Yeah. All of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and sometimes you see these things and it, it looks as if, it's just like being pregnant sometimes you get those twinges; oh, it was coming any minute then it'll just settles down again amen I'm not speaking from personal experience amen but I've seen it amen oh could this be it amen but but will come a day when a woman's waters break yeah. and manifestation will come and you you've never seen that baby but when it, when it comes out, that's the full manifestation. When you get into your field one day as a farmer, and all of a sudden the thing's there, ready to be reaped. Harvest time is here. But you know, the, the farmer doesn't go to bed at night, or shouldn't go to bed at night, going, Oh, this harvest will never come. Oh, it'll never come. I'll, I'll no see it. But a lot of Christians say that about the harvest, don't they? Or that's their attitude towards the harvest. Well, probably won't happen in my day. But I just hope that my children, my grandchildren, folks, we need to see it's not four months to the harvest. We need to see Isaiah chapter 60 isn't for a future generation to walk in. It's for you and I to walk in. And you can walk, I've said this many a time, you can walk in Isaiah chapter 60 when everybody else is walking in darkness. You you might not be the catalyst for it to happen worldwide, globally, or in your nation, but you can still walk in it as an individual, or you can walk in it as a a community. We need to start seeing it, though, they say, that's that's living in me, and if it lives in you enough, and strong enough, then you will start to live in it, you'll start to walk in it what you see clearly in glory realms and feed yourself on from glory realms, which is in this word Isaiah chapter 60. Read it to yourself over and over. Do what I do, do that YouTube video, put it on, headphones, Isaiah chapter 60. just coming in all the time. Why? Because I want to walk in Isaiah chapter 60. If I want to walk in it, I'm going to have to see it. I'm going to have to engulf my consciousness with it. Just like anything else. You know, if you say, well, I'm, I'm desperate, I need healing. I've got a life-threatening thing going on here. So I'm just going to offer up a quick prayer. That's not going to do it. You have to immerse yourself in the healing word of God. And if you want to walk in glory and provision, such as you've never experienced, you're going to have to immerse yourself in Isaiah 60 and other passages that speak about that. The Lord bless you, folks. Yeah.